Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Yeah, so good morning. Good morning, Reliance. Glad you're here. It's a, it's a blessing to get to be here and share with you all. Um, yeah, it's, uh, are you enjoying the fall weather? Anybody liking the cool fall weather? Yeah, yeah, school's going again. Students loving that? Yeah, yeah, we're in a, we're in an interesting season. Personally, our um, our youngest graduated high school last spring, so this is a different kind of fall for us. You know, um, I'm, it's I'm kind of sad to see it go. Uh, um, her teacher actually was pretty hot. Um, we homeschooled, by the way. Did I mention that we homeschooled? Um, just, yep. There you go. Wake up, everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep, let me just say, parent-teacher conferences were pretty romantic around our house. It was awesome. About ready to try and have more kids. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's, that's, yeah, that's probably the most awkward entry moments we've had for a while. That's good. Not as awkward as Ryan. I remember, I won't go there anyway. Ryan's just shared some awkward things. Um, I love Ryan. Yeah, those guys are gone, so we're going to be uh, voting on a new church name here in a minute, and I think we'll probably end up putting a bowling alley right through here. Just, uh, that was really cool. Nobody's like, yay, bowling. Cause I just, anyway, maybe you're not people from Wisconsin or something, I don't know, like bowling. So, you know, this morning, I had a message, I have a message prepared, I'm going I'm to share most of it. Um, but driving here, I felt like the Lord kind of dropped a word in my heart that really um, kind of is like an underwriting thought for the morning, and it was just about Esther. You remember Esther from the Bible? Um, there's a whole lot with that story, obviously, but uh, the phrase out of that story that really kind of just, I felt like went with what was on the Lord's heart for this morning was just for such a time as this, and just um, immediately reminded that he made us, and he put us here right now. Um, it's not an accident. It's not like this random thing happening that um, we're here. That you're, the fact that we're in this room together is like part of what God's up to. Um, I think it's a pretty incredible thing. Um, that's part of what I like about the Lord. It's like there's so much mystery there. There's no end to it. The wonder of what he's been doing, what he's up to, is just pretty incredible. And just this simple fact that he chose for us to be alive and breathing 2019. So here we are. And the whole backdrop to that thought is we want to be just fully saying yes to why he put us here right now. Um, Especially because we're in America, it's really easy to be occupied with stuff. Can I get an amen? Yeah, there's, we just don't lack for things. You know, there, for, you hear the phrase, first world problems? You know, I've been on missions trips, been to Africa, um, Central America, different things, and there's just so much on my to-do list that's not on anybody else's. Like, our, our to-do list is unique uh, on a global scale. You know, most people are not updating their bathrooms or cleaning their gutters. You know, it's just... Like there's, but there's things we have to do. It's just like we, we have a unique battle, actually, to be in the middle of all this and steward it and command it all to serve King Jesus and nothing else. Um, he's put us not 
in a bad place. It's a good place. We're here with purpose and intention from heaven. Colossians 1.16, um, I share it all the time, uh, talks about how we're made by God and for God. Everything, everyone was made by him, and the catchphrase is for him. He didn't just make us and go, there you go, do whatever, um, and talk to me once a week. He made us completely for himself. Um, our existence is for Jesus. And that's liberating, that we don't, we don't have to serve anything or anybody else but him. So we're here this morning to really say, okay, Lord, for such a time as this, we want to say yes. You want to say yes? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody give me a yes. Yes. Right on. So one thing I've noticed about the Reliance family is that when guys speak, a lot of times they like say, somebody say, and then we all repeat the words they say. You know, have you noticed that? Yeah. Somebody say groovy. Groovy, yes, I've been waiting to do that for like, like, I feel like they don't really maximize this opportunity. You could say so many cool things. Somebody say, word to your mother. Mm, Preach, preach, that's good, that's good. Never knew what that really meant, but it sounds so cool. Anyway, we're here for such a time as this. Um, So in a nutshell, here's the message this morning. I want to talk about Isaiah, the fear of the Lord. And we're going to talk about being watchmen on the walls, um, Isaiah 62, and then we're going to go to prayer. We're going to actually pray together this morning, group up and pray. Um, and I want to challenge you right now, if you're not um, comfortable praying publicly, uh, just to be bold and pray. Uh, the Lord said, my house will be, it's going to be a house of prayer. Um, that's a big deal. That's who we are. We're a house of prayer. And it doesn't have to be eloquent and fancy and long. Um, what is prayer anyway? It's just talking to God and listening. Good conversations involve listening. Um, at least that's what my wife tries to tell me when I'm taking a breath while I'm talking, is I should listen more. I'm just kidding. That was for you. Love you. Trying to be a better listener at home. Anyway, yeah, talking and listening. Amen. I didn't say somebody say amen. What are you doing? Okay. Anyway, so we, we want to go down that trail and end up praying this morning for three things, really. For the fear, this is, and they're big things. They're not just like random targets here. For the fear of the Lord to fall in the church. That's a big thing to pray. Um, you know, honestly, there's some things we can say to the Lord that, are, that we ought to be like kind of trembling over, and that would be one of them. Like, let the fear of the Lord fall in the church. But I think we would be so better off for him to do that in a new way. We're also going to pray about um, just simple clarity and boldness with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can talk a lot about certain aspects of God, as long as you say God and not Jesus. In our culture, there's lots of things about the Lord that are kind of permissible in our culture, but you start talking about the Lordship and the singularity of Jesus Christ, and then offense can come in a heartbeat simply because he's who he said he was and we're in the middle of a spiritual war and it really boils down to this. The enemy hates us and he hates him and that's what's going on. And we're contending for his glory and the enemy's contending that he would get no glory. That's really what we're at. Do you know that ultimately the story of your personal life is you were born into the middle of a worship war? Who and what's going to get the worship? King Jesus or somebody else? Or something else. And the news on the street is that the enemy owns all the else's. 
That's a heavy thing, but it's true. Either we are all in about him or we're into something or someone or whatever. And that's the battle. It's the treasure that our worship is to the king. It, and that's part of the, the fear of the Lord, seeing him. If we could see him and what it means that we would just love him, what that would do to us. When we see his goodness. It's not, it, there's like a, there's obedience that's born out of fear of punishment. I kind of grew up with that, you know, like obey me or get my belt. Which one's it going to be? You know, I grew up with that kind of stuff. And I always wondered, it's like, why did I ever go get my dad's belt? That's the dumbest thing in the world. I was like, here you go. You know, keep your word. Ouch. You know, it's just like, anyway, that was, yeah, sorry, a little side track there. Um, but there's this thing of like obey, obeying the Lord. I, I mentioned this last time I shared, not to you remember, but like I barely remember what I say when I get done talking. But this thing of uh, saying yes to God because, oh, man, I really don't want to get in trouble. I don't want bad things to happen. That is not the kingdom. It is, you know, and Jordan mentioned it, it's a bridegroom at an altar going, I gave everything for you. Would you like me? That's the kingdom. We get to say yes to him and be with him. And there's just no better place to be in existence than the middle of him. Be with Christ, to be his. Everything else is just a poser and a fake of, of life, of, of, of pleasure. There's no real pleasure outside of Christ. And that's something, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know where my notes are right now. The reality of the pleasure of Jesus Christ is beyond us to understand. It's, there's nothing that compares. No matter how good something feels or seems, um, it is utterly nothing compared to the man Christ Jesus. It just isn't. And, and he freely opens the door and it's like, would you like to taste and see? That's one of the passages that's, that's hit me over the years. Um, of like this point in life where I had just spent most of my life trying hard to do what God wanted me to do. And these verses start popping out of scripture, out of the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm like, that's pretty experiential. That's not do what God says or else. That's taste and see that you're good. And my mind goes to steak. Anybody like steak? What goes, what happens to you when you drive by Texas Roadhouse? Yeah, yeah, I start dehydrating right out my mouth. It's just like, ah. Oh. If you don't like steak, I'll pray for your salvation. But anyway, um, when you smell it, you don't want, you're not like, oh, it's so good to smell steak. Who wants to, do, who wants to end it there? You want to eat steak when you smell it. And the Lord's going, yeah. It's just like, I, go, I, I feel like that's just a simple little picture in creation of truth. If he's like, you weren't just meant to know about it. You're meant to taste it, be filled with it, and go, oh, my word, steak. You know, not, well, okay, not steak, Jesus. That's what I meant, I was saying Jesus. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Obedience born out of the revelation of his love. We're going to go down this trail again, back up here, about the fear of the Lord hitting the church, boldness and clarity with the gospel, not the rules of Christianity, but the revelation of Christ Jesus boldly flowing out of us. Your greatest assignment on the earth is to proclaim the king. And if we understood that well, we would be so thrilled. I mean, I think about what do you want, you know, there's like bucket list stuff out there. Like, what do you want to do? Where would you like to go? Where would you like to live? That's okay. But if we could just know him and let his kingdom flow out of us, like if, like I know we would just be like addicted to that desire if we understood what it really was because of who he is. And we're in it now. If you're a believer, you're in that now. We're not waiting till, um, 
I'm not gonna, we're not waiting till we die to taste heaven. We'll taste heaven more fully, but it doesn't start then. It starts when we say yes to Christ right here. That's one of the wonders of, of the gospel is you get to know the one who made you right now. You didn't know him. Like, whatever you know, that's nice, but to know him is incredible. So we're going to pray for the boldness and clarity with the gospel this morning. We're also going to pray, the last thing we're going to pray for is for a harvest, harvest of souls. You know, um, we started, uh, well, I shouldn't say we started. We have friends who have been, my wife's been joining them. Uh, my wife, on a regular basis, and she's taking our daughter, goes to brothels to pray and to talk to people who work there. Why would you do something like that? Because there's daughters who have a father who wants them, and they weren't made for that. They were not made for that. We live in a cult. I I don't want to go down that trail. It's like a whole other talk-focused thing. So we do these crazy things about harvesting. Harvest is not for people to get saved. Like saved from what? It's, not, it's really more safe from what and into what, not just pray this prayer of agreement with Christianity and go to a meeting once a week. Are you in? It's the lover of your soul made you for himself, and he wants you back. And people, we are praying and crying out to the Lord that hundreds of thousands of people literally would encounter Jesus Christ, the man, God, Savior, reigning, coming back, King, that they would find him. And we'd, get, we'd simply get this incredible pleasure to have a front row seat to that discovery. And I've, been, I've pastored before. We've done, we've done ministry things. And so much of that has been about us and the thing of ministry. And there's this concept out there, which is biblical, about being a friend of the bridegroom. And the Lord hit me one time very clearly with the simple truth that I had been wanting attention from his bride in a way that he alone was intended to have attention that we're made to be in awe of Christ, ultimately, not in awe of each other. Like, you're so awesome, and you're so, yes, yes, but anything good in us really is just because of him. Like, everything's supposed to point to him, like, because he made it. It's like somebody looking at a, at the, you know, I don't, I'm not into, like, painting and art. Anybody into, like, going to the museum and looking at paintings and stuff? Cool. Jacob, it's cool that you do that. Um, no, but it'd be like looking at a painting and being in awe of the paintbrush and going, that paintbrush is so fantastic. Like, I, I suppose there's like a relevance, but that's it's foolish because that's not the artist. The artist is the deal. And, and, and like, look what they made. And it's like, that's where all the, the tension goes. And, and the Lord wants us to be so gripped with his love and his heart that we are burning for the lost people around us to meet him not to join our thing or be a part of our stuff or make us feel significant or special. You know, it's, it's the, the infamous, we had a meeting, well, how many people came? Because somehow that matters. What well, kind of matters? If nobody shows up, you know, why? But uh, at the end of the day, it's just simply going one by one to every single breathing person on the planet. Like, do you know him? Because he made you and he wants you. That's it. And everybody would be in that boat going, I know him. I've tasted and I'm seen, and he's, he's my everything. That's my story, to be in that boat. Everybody, just be in that boat. Equally 
wondrously in awe of Christ. So we're going to pray for those three things this morning. I'm just kind of, I'm, he- I'm heading us there of, again, the fear of the Lord to fall in the church for boldness and clarity with the gospel, no meandering mixture, no Christ is kind of the answer stuff, but like the bold proclamation of the gospel of Christ Jesus to go through the saints. That's, that's our assignment, to be gospel proclaimers and livers. We get, a, we get to like taste it. That's the thing. We're not just preaching about somebody else's pleasure. We're going, I'm going to share with you what I have, that you could have it. And then also for harvest of souls, for people to come back to King Jesus, come back to the Father. So a, a, few, a few passages here, and again, um, let me say this, when we, when we grew up, group up to, sorry, I start talking so fast that I'm like thinking about words that my mouth can't keep up with. Um, when we get to praying together, you may not be comfortable praying out loud in a group. I, I started down this trail earlier, but go for it anyway. Just pray and ask. When you talk to God and he's like, what do you want? And he listens, that's incredible. We should take advantage of that, don't you think? That's a big deal. That is such a big deal to, to, to pray, together to pray. So we're going to do that, get ready to, to be bold when that time comes. Um, a couple things. On the fear of the Lord, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Um, this is a passage that stands out to me um, because of Isaiah's response when he um, sees the Lord. And it's just a picture of the Lord and then his response. Um, and this is at, really at the heart of asking for the fear of the Lord to fall on the church, to fall on us, each other, to cry out for it. What a wise thing that we would say, God, let, the, let your fear, let the fear of the Lord just fall on us, the bride. Let it happen, God. Bring it. Um, because the fruit of it is incredible. Isaiah, let's read this, um, chapter 6. Um, just, yeah, verses 1 through 7, we'll do, let's read this out loud. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. That'd freak me out. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard this verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. If we could see him, saying yes to him would be, I think, an automatic. If we could just see him. How awesome he is, how good he is, how he loves us, his power, his glory, that he alone is God, we'd be all in. We'd realize there's nothing Nothing bigger or better or more significant we could care about than whatever he desires. We'd just be in. It'd be, the surrender would be easy. In contrast to that 
is what I felt like I kind of grew up in and preached and led in was give yourself to what's distant and far off and not real clear, but it's the right thing. Like do what God wants because you ought to. And the Lord, I feel like, has just turned the tables and said, you need to cry out for revelation, cry out to see me. The trouble with sharing the gospel is honestly lack of intimacy. Um, I mentioned this last time I preached. You know, um, my family, my wife, my daughters, uh, our, our, our daughters, we, we were both part of that picture. You know, um, our son, our grandkids. I absolutely do not struggle to, to joyfully talk about my grandsons because I'm just overwhelmed with how good they are and wonderful they are, how much I love them. It's easy. It's just easy. There's no shame involved. There's no fear involved. If somebody's like, I hate grandkids, I'd be like, well, you're wrong, buddy. You just don't understand. You know, um, knowing Christ and being full of the revelation of his love and life is fuel for the kingdom. Effort and, and try hard and endurance, fear, as in intimidation, fear of punishment stuff, um, that's not the fuel that we are meant to run on. He wants to fill us full of the revelation of himself and his love and his goodness. Uh, I was talking to a brother this morning. He mentioned to me just, just the thought of the fact that God himself pursues us, that he wants us to see him in all his glory and go, you are who you said you are and you want me? Like for real. Not you want me to do something for you. You just want me. You just love me. I look at my grandson and I just enjoy him. I just love him. He's a delight to me, not because he's doing anything for me, but because of who he is. And God's like, I made you. I stepped back and said, look at you. I love you. And he wants us to be fully in on that reality and living in that 24-7, for real. Emotions are not. Feelings are not. That's not really the heart of this. It's not emotions. It's fact. Fact that's actually deeper and stronger than emotions and feelings that are unwavering, unswerving. It's the picture of Christ in the boat when there's a storm and the disciples go, we're going to die. That's how intense this scenario is. He's at peace. The Lord wants to be on the inside of us like that where it doesn't matter where we are or what's going on. We're in tune with him and in the truth of him, who he is and his kingdom. That truth literally saturates us wherever we go. Whether we're in a scenario that's comfortable and wonderful like Matt fishing in some river or whatever he's doing out there or whether it's at work and we're getting yelled at and it's unjust and wrong or just anything. It doesn't matter where we go. There's a reality that's deeper that we want to be in the middle of. So the fear of the Lord, Isaiah sees God and his surrender is simple. Here, here my Lord, send me. And the thought of the fear of the Lord, it's not, again, the, the um, being intimidated by God or trembling like, oh, don't hit me. It's not that kind of timidity fear thing. It's the awesomeness of God just consuming us where we see him for who he is and how he loves us, every part of him good, and we're overcome by it, literally undone and overcome by God himself. He wants that to be at the heart of his bride. A good wedding usually involves two people that know each other, and so the fruit of that turns into a wedding. Anybody ever been in an arranged marriage or tried, you know, I mean, no, we don't do that, right? Hope not. If you have, this is really an awkward spot right here. But, but 
as a, you know, I know culturally maybe that happens, but in our country we're like, that is just the most ridiculous thing. Why? I think it's because we have an understanding of what marriage is. It's not an arrangement. It's not a business transaction. It's, it sounds so cheesy hallmarky, but it's two people that see each other, get to know each other, and fall in love, and so then there's a marriage. And Christ has said so clearly in the word that marriage is a picture of him and his church. We're supposed to get to know him and go, oh my word, you are amazing. I know you too. And like, I want to spend my life with you, me too. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, I'm saying it's silly, but that's the fact. He's going, if you knew me, I would have your heart. King David was just like, not like, oh, I, I had an encounter, so I got enough of God. He's like, oh man, I, I encountered him and I, I'm just, I can't get away from him. It's no different than the young couple dating who spend like five hours together, go home and call each other. Have you done that before? I've, you know, yeah, I remember that, um, those days. Um, I'm not supposed to be that far gone. Good relationship is like right now and listening. I'll listen later, right now I have to talk. So anyway, so this, this picture of finding God, the fear of the Lord comes out of that because when we see who he is and that we're the one he chooses, we're undone and we're moved forever. So we're gonna pray for the fear of, of the Lord to hit us, um, hit the church so that uh, the sharing that he has for us to do comes out of that fuel, the fiery love of Christ. The other thing, let's read this in, um, oh, let me get, I gotta get through my notes here. I want to talk about boldness with, with the gospel. A simple verse here that you probably know is um, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very bold and politically incorrect kind of thing to say. It's basically going everything else, everyone else is not the way. Nothing else and no one else is the way but me. That's what Christ says. He's, it's him or nothing. And he's an all-in Lord. It's not, he doesn't want to be one of our spouses. Awkward pause. Think about a wedding and you're getting married and the last minute you're like, oh, and I'm going to invite him or her in too. Like, uh, what, do you, what would that do? How, you know, I'm thinking, like, it's a funny thought. It's a, it's a rather violent thought. But if I brought another woman to the altar, like, honey, yes, I want to get married, but can she join us? It's like, no, probably not. This picture, we do this with the Lord. It's like, Lord, I love you for things, and I love other things for their things. He's going, I want to satisfy your heart fully. I want your heart to be mine. The thing is, he goes first. In a wedding, who's at the altar waiting? In a typical wedding. The groom. You know, in Jewish tradition, that, I think, as far as I know, that's where that came from. A Jewish tradition. The, the, the groom is up front, the bride comes in. Why? Well, Scripture says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He went first. We didn't find him and convince him to love us. He found us and said, I want you. Let me, let me tell you about how I love you. And we said yes to him. He, he initiates. He comes after us. 
And this picture of the God of creation waiting on us to say yes to him, that's the gospel. It's we're made for this. We're made for that moment to say yes to him. And I guess the, the word that comes to mind with this is exclusivity, that it's, that's why we lay down our lives. That's why we deny ourselves. We go, Lord, I'm laying down every other thing I can think of, every other person I can think of, every other love I can think of, and I'm coming to you. And it, it comes to my mind all the time, especially at weddings, but a lot just in normal life lately of, of wedding vows. And the simple, the simple boiling down of a wedding vow scenario is just simply, I'm leaving everything and I just want to be with you forever. As long as I live, I want to be with you. Well, I'm leaving everything, I just want to be with you. That's kind of a wedding. If we kept them that short and got right to the cake, we'd probably have more fun, but, you know, anyway. That's a wedding. Really, it boils down to this decision being made public of, I just want you. You know, and whether I feel good or bad, I want you. Whether I have money or don't have money, I just want you. I don't care about anything, I just want you. And I've, I've died to every other source of pleasure. I just want to be with you. That's our, that's our marriage vows to the Lord. And he's calling us to this laid down life surrender, no compromise, all in. I'm just yours. I'm yours all day, every day, everywhere. I'm yours. That's what he's inviting us into. But the thing is, he's gone first. He's like, we're never going to wake up in the morning and find out that the Lord got called away. Or he's, gotta, you know, he's not going to say, hey, text, you know, I'm having a bad day, Carl, you're on your own. Or, you know what, I'm going to go do some other stuff for a while that sounds fun, I'll be back in a minute. The faithfulness and the goodness of God are incredible. We're never alone. He will never do us wrong. We will never have to wonder if we can trust him. That's our Lord. That's incredible to me. No matter what he says to us, we can trust him. No matter how we might feel, we can trust him. We can trust him, we can trust him, we can trust. The gospel comes down to this thing of surrender and trust, and that's why we surrender as we trust. So we're praying for boldness and clarity with the gospel that, um, you know, and this, this is kind of a side note, and I don't really have, like, this thought developed, but lately it has stood out to me um, just the concept of the blood of Christ. And there, there are some, some things I grew up hearing that were, that were uh, like, some of the old hymns. Anybody grow up with hymns? Seriously, can I see your hand for a second just to know how relevant? Yeah, yeah, like hymns about the blood of Christ. Um, there, you know, we sang a, even a phrase this morning that's kind of, you know, was, was sung very sweetly, but, you know, you go before I go, you, you know, you come back with the head of my enemy. Like, the Lord's a violent warrior. He is not willing for anybody to stand in his way, you know, and that's this picture of God's, like the enemy, I mean, we're in a spiritual war. That's a whole other thing. But this is the fact of the blood of Christ cleansing us from our sins and, and, and the Lord fighting on our behalf. And in a picture of the cross we, needs to not be made politically correct. The gospel needs to be unpolitically correcticized. Whatever you, I don't know how to say that, but like, it, like we need to, like in no way, shape, or form, let political correctness have any part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're called to preach is what he says, not what, make, not what makes anybody feel a certain way. Because he's God, and we can trust him. We can trust him no matter what it seems like, what it feels like. We can trust him. In the gospel, that the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleansing us from sin, uh, the picture of his sacrifice, how violent and intense it was, 
It's just simply an indicator of how, how desperate and real the scenario that we are in really is. And if we take away the sacrifice, we take away the need. If, if, we make, if we try and do away with anything that seems more palatable to an American culture moment, we're robbing ourselves of this, of this glorious story of an extravagant Savior and all that he's done for us and how he's rescued us. And we want the gospel of the Lord to be just crystal clear and fearless coming out of us because that's, that's the message that matters. That's the eternity-changing message. So important, such a big deal. Such a big deal. And the last thing was we're praying for harvest this morning. A harvest of souls. And there's two thoughts I want to share here. One is just about um, the compassion. Well, really just it comes down to this. The compassion of Christ. The love of Christ filling us. I know I've seen it on a lot of t-shirts about being compelled by the love of God. And uh, a verse hit me years ago um, when I was doing full-time ministry. Like just this phrase out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul wrote... Um, the NIV says compels, and the NASB it says controls. It's kind of the same thought. The love of Christ controls us. And I read that and went, that's why Paul did that stuff. Everything he did, everything he went through, all the activity, why? What's the point? Is it because it's good, it helps? What's behind all this is the compelling love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's being, you know, out in front of a brothel praying, why? Because you ought to do some outreach? No, it's the love of Christ. It won't let me stay at home. The love of Christ moves us when we get in touch with it. And then he goes on, and he talks about this. From now on, this, this is another phrase that has gripped me. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. No one. Somebody say, no one. Yeah. Somebody say, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, okay, somebody say, oh yeah. oh, yeah. That was better. Sweet, sweet. Oh, yeah, nobody according to the flesh. That's really part of our problem. You know, when we're at work and having a hard time with somebody, we got to go, we want the, the eyesight to be, I'm in a spiritual war, and that person's not my enemy, no matter what's going on. That when we look at somebody on the street, we go, that's somebody God made and loves and Christ died for. Look what he's done for them, and he wants them. I want to see them according to the spirit, not according to my flesh. Um, a while back, um, we're going to do it again, and this is like a heads up. Um, October 24th, we're going to go and be on South Broadway, inviting just whoever wants to come to walk around and pray on South Broadway in Wichita. Basically a stretch of road that's pretty much known for drugs and prostitution. Um, a guy that I know of, I don't know him really well. He's a cop, been a cop for like eight years or so. He got re-stationed to the South Broadway beat, and he said, I've been a cop for a long time, and the stuff I saw when I got here has shocked me. Like, it's bad, and it's not what we're made for. And so we're going to go light, be light in the darkness, and go down there and pray and say, Lord, this isn't what you made any of these people for. Everything that we see isn't right. And instead of us humanly trying to fix it, we're going to say, Holy Spirit, come and do what no man can do do what nobody can do. And we, we rented a room in one of those motels about, I was it three weeks ago, and crawled in this nasty room and spent time in worship and prayer and going, do it here, Lord. Um, and not to be weird, even though I 
generally pretty enjoy that. You know, I'm good at that. But um, very sobering thought here is I would love to see literally every motel on Broadway have at least one room full of guys who are there crying out for the lover of our souls to have his way with every person around them. To have that happen. To see with eyes of the spirit, not the flesh. That's what we're praying for. But it's all him. It's him, he, it's him putting his eyes in us and just going, look what I see. Here's what I see. Here's, what, here's my heart. Feel my heart. It's not us trying to be like him by effort. It's him being himself fully inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit having his way. So we're going to pray for those three things. Um, the fear of the Lord, the wonder of God to just undo the church, that, for just to fall and hit us. You know, I, I think this jokingly, but one, one thing I, you know, I'm like, I think we should never have smoke machines in church so that if the presence of God fills the place, we know it's him. Because <laughs> that's happened. He could fall. I mean, this, like the stuff that I want to share that's on my in my head of like just the different things the Lord has done, like real life American things, great awakenings, moves of the Holy Spirit. It's been incredible where God just falls on a group of people and they're just undone. And they're like, what happened? What'd you do? Well, he just did it. He just did it. That's what we're really crying out for is a fear of the Lord and his grace and mercy just to pour it out on us, the whole church. And I'm gonna say this, it's for the city and the county and for the state. It's not just us here. It's for the bride of Christ to be undone with the revelation of Christ. We're praying for that, the fear of the Lord, praying for boldness and clarity with the gospel, that he would reteach us the gospel in a way that, in Corinthians is clear, he's given to us the message of reconciliation, not to a handful of people, but to the church. Every one of you are called and gifted by God to preach the gospel. And we just want it to come out by the Spirit of God. No copycat stuff, no church religion, no religious stuff, just the truth of the gospel to consume us and come out of us and for the harvest to come. And that's something we, we can, you know, the infamous, or not infamous, but like the old cliche, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. The Spirit of God woke me up, and that's the only thing that'll really wake up anybody. I was hypercritical about some different things with the church one season of my life, just really negative. And the Lord just kind of took me and said, Carl, you... Just so you know, you never, you never figured anything out. I showed you everything. It's all been because of me. You, you're not better, smarter, nothing. And so we're just going to pray for a harvest, an awakening, that people would hear the voice of the Lord and come to Christ. So those, I hope those three things make sense. I know I'm just beating this drum, but I really feel like we need to pray for them. The fear of the Lord to fall in the church, clarity and boldness with the gospel, and for a harvest. And just and we're we're we are the harvesting team for the church for the for the kingdom. It's us. He's put it on us. We're the team. All of us. So if you'd find somebody to pray with, and we're going to end this with um, just singing and worship. So um, we'll draw you back in. So find two or three or four people to pray with, and uh, let's just go after it. So here we go. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.